tonight. We're going to get started and have a, and study the Bible tonight together. And then we'll take our offerings and pray after the service together. But I'm going to lift up. I, Father, I come before you in the name of Jesus. Thank you, Lord, for this day. Thank you, Father, for your holy written word. We thank you, Lord God, that you make it alive and real to us. Oh, we just bless your name. Lord, we're hungry for your word. We thank you, Father, for unveiling and revealing and taking us into uh, revelation that maybe we've not seen before. And Father, take us into things that 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 you want to open to our lives individually and personally. We give you praise for that. Father, thank you for utterance tonight in the Holy Ghost. And Lord, we just praise you and thank you for all that you're doing in our life, that you're building us, increasing us line upon line, precept upon precept. And we give you the glory and the honor in Jesus' name. Tonight, I want to go to 1 John, and uh, we're going to start uh, and study out of the book of John for a while. 1 John, hallelujah, over uh, behind First and Second Peter, if you're looking for it. The first epistle general of John, my Bible says. The first epistle general of John. In the book of John, this this these books, these little books at the back of the Bible are written also by the same author that wrote the big book of John, the Apostle John. Hallelujah. And uh, <clears throat> actually, I wrote some stuff down on a piece of paper, but I, I don't, it must have dropped out before I got here. But let's look at chapter 1 of 1 John. And I think the Lord, and I gave you a handout. Everybody get a handout. And that's got some just some definitions on it, but there was there's we're going to do more than just that. And it says, let's just read the whole chapter first. That which was from the beginning, which we have heard, which we have seen with our eyes, which we have looked upon, and our hands have handled of the word of life. For the life was manifested, and we have seen it, and bear witness and show unto you that eternal life which was with the Father and was manifested into, unto us. That which we have seen and heard declare we unto you that ye also may have fellowship with us. And truly our fellowship is with the Father and with his Son, Jesus Christ. Christ. And these things write we unto you that your joy may be full. This then is the message which we have heard of him and declare unto you that God is light and in him is no darkness at all. If we say that we have fellowship with him and walk in darkness, we lie and do not the truth. But if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship one with another and the blood of Jesus Christ his son cleanseth us from all sin. If we say that we have no sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. If, I, if we say that we have not sinned, we make him a liar and his word is not in us. And so the first chapter of John has 10 verses. And... Um, 1 John is a wonderful, beautiful book of the Bible, but I can remember, uh, I think a lot of Christians have confusion over the book of 1 John. And I remember, I, of course, I didn't, when I'll, tell, I'll be honest, I got saved when I was 10 years old. And so the first 18 years of my salvation, I did not really read the Bible. You know, I might have picked it up four times a year or something and read something. Uh, and, of course, I went to Sunday school, and so I, I read it in Sunday school and so forth. But to say I read the Bible, I couldn't say that. And so uh, I, 
But in 18 years later, when I was 28 years old, got baptized in the Holy Ghost. And when we got baptized in the Holy Ghost, I had an immediate, tremendous hunger for the Word of God. It was just immediate. I mean, I was just unquenchably hungry for the Word. And we began to devour, Pastor and I, just to devour the Word of God. Just reading it every day, all day. Uh, and just uh, and I was a housewife, so I could I had a, a lot of time that I could squeeze in between. Uh, of course, in 1980, I didn't even have Eric yet. I just had one little boy, and uh, so I could squeeze a lot of time in to read the Word. And so I was just devouring the entire Word of God. And I would read First John, and I can remember this being like, this confuses me. I just don't understand this book. And, you know, there was a lot of things in it that I just didn't understand because I, there's contradictions in the book of First John. And we'll get to that in a minute. And there's, there, you know, and there's, there's things that I'm like, yeah, but, and I just, I just couldn't make it fit with what I felt like the rest of the Bible was saying. And so, you know, through the years, though, just kept reading it. And God just kept show, showing more and more light on 1 John till finally now I'm at a place. And, you know, when you're, when you're confused about something and you don't understand it and, uh, and it, and, then, you know, it's like you don't enjoy that part of the Bible. You just don't enjoy what you are, especially if you go, what is he, you know, what is this, Lord? And uh, so, and there's been other scriptures that I felt that way about, not just First John, and not every scripture in First John either. But a lot of the scriptures, I was felt that way, and so every, but just kept reading those, reading it uh, uh, over and over through the years, and finally God, by His Holy Ghost, shedding light on it, and coming to the place where I was enjoying it a lot more because I felt like I had understanding, it, not complete understanding, because we'll never get there. There is layers layers of revelation in every scripture, so we'll never plumb the depths. Uh, you know, when we get to heaven and we go hear the, we go hear Martin Luther preach and Paul preach, we're going to be going, oh my, oh, oh, hallelujah. We're probably going, oh, if I'd just known that on earth too, that one little thing, if I'd have known that. And so, but there's layers and God even, uh, one God, as we grow, he's able to show us more. And sometimes, you know, we don't even have the foundation for Him to show us, if you know what I mean. But as we grow, um, He shows us more. And then also, uh, as time progresses, God unfolds more of His Word and brings it forth. Uh, you know, there's revelation that is common in the body of Christ today that 40 years ago you'd go, well, nobody really knew that. And certainly nobody preached on it. it, it, it there might have been few people throughout the earth that knew it. But there's a lot of things that are that is tremendously common today that people didn't have a clue about 40 years ago. And that's why I love to read the books by the old timers like Smith Wigglesworth, John G. Lake. But you got to understand that even the revelation that we have now, they did, some of them didn't have all that revelation. And, yet, and even some of them, the reason that they're, we, we, we value them now, but they rejected them in their day because some of them were operating out ahead of their time. And that's why it's important that when we hear something new, we don't throw it away just because we heard it for the first time. 
And we've had people do that. We've had people get up and walk out because somebody said something they hadn't heard before in some old church they went to. And, uh, and, and so it's important that we don't do that because some revelation is just out ahead of what we've heard. It's not that it's not Bible. And uh, so we need to be patient until God shows us how it fits in and everything. And, and you know, and I'm not talking about things. If When people come in, when they deny the blood, we don't have to sit around and wait and see if that's going to be better. Or if they deny the virgin birth, or if they begin to deny the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus, that, you know, we ought to get out of there. But I'm talking about just something new that you hadn't heard about, you know, think about how much anybody that preached on prosperity was so rejected in the 50s and the 40s. And now that's very common. I know we went to Northport Church of God on Christmas night, uh, not Christmas night, Easter night last year. And Perry Stone was preaching on, he preached on prosperity and the wealth of the wicked stored up for the righteous. And I'm going, my Lord in heaven, when the Pentecostals start preaching prosperity, we've done gone and made some progress. Hallelujah. Because, oh, hallelujah. They, you, you were, if used to, the Pentecostals were the chief ones to believe you had to be poor if you really love God. Hallelujah. <clears throat> so, uh, there's going to be layers of revelation as we, as we look at some of this. In verse 1 of 1 John, that which was from the beginning, which we have heard, which we have seen with our eyes, which we have looked upon, and our hands have handled of the word of life. First of all, let's look at some definitions. As I look these, some of these words up in the Strong's Concordance, and some of them are obvious, which we have heard means to hear. We would have guessed that, wouldn't we? Which we have seen with our eyes means to see with vision, to actually see clearly, you know, they saw him. They saw Jesus. But then on down here it says, which we have looked upon. And God's not just being repetitive there when he says, well, which we've seen. And you do know this is inspired by God himself. Even though John wrote it, it's inspired by the Holy Spirit, so it's God writing it. Okay? And so God had him say, which we have seen, but then he says, which we have looked upon. And I, I would have guessed that meant the very same thing, and he was just repeating for emphasis, but it doesn't. It means to examine closely, looked upon. He, so, so John said, you know, hey, we heard him. We, we heard him with our ears. You know, we hear him all the time with our spirit, right? But they heard him with his, their ears. They looked upon him with their physical eyes. And they, uh, they, they saw him with their physical eyes, looked upon him. They examined Jesus closely. And then he says, our hands have handled of the word of life. Hand, hands means to handle and touch. He, they said, man, we've seen him. We've examined him closely. We heard him in person. And we, 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 we touched him. We, we, uh, we actually felt of him. We handled him with our own hands. And the word of life there, of course, means uh, a divine word is divine expression. And life is zoe means uh, uh, zoe is that is not is a quality. It's, 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 uh, it's a substance of life. It's not just existing, it's not just living, being alive, but it's substance. It's the substance of God's life is what it is. That zoe, it is a substance, hallelujah. And he said, man, we saw it, we handled that substance, that word of life, that expression of zoe, hallelujah. And uh, 
We know over in John 1 of the big John, book of John, it talks about, here it says, uh, which, that which was from the beginning. We know that Jesus didn't just begin to exist in Bethlehem. That wasn't when Jesus became, became him. Uh, the, he, he became incarnate in Bethlehem. He became the, uh, uh, the, at that time, he was the only begotten of the Father. Hallelujah. And now he's not the only begotten of the Father. He's not the only begotten Son of God now. Because the Bible says in 1 John, we're going to read it in another chapter. It says that you, you, now you are the sons of God. And it says in another place, it says you are begotten of God. So now he has other begotten sons. Amen. And so uh, he, um, he was, uh, he, Jesus said in many places, I am that I am. I, and he said in, uh, let's see, it's in Luke, Luke uh, 10, 18, when Satan fall, fell from heaven, he was there, he saw it. So he was already in existence from the very beginning. John chapter 1 says uh, that he was, uh, John chapter 1 gives us real clarity on this. And you know, it's amazing that a lot of people really don't know this. So you may know it, but maybe you just can, we can just put these truths down in us further. Hallelujah. In the beginning was the Word. Jesus wasn't called Jesus in the beginning. When He existed in heaven before His birth in Bethlehem, He was the Word. He was not Jesus then. That's His earth name, we could say. And the Word was with God and the Word was God. The same was in the beginning with God and all things were made by Him. So He was in on creation. Hallelujah. And without Him was not anything made that was made. And in Him was life and the life was the light of men. So He was, Jesus has always been. Always been. Hallelujah. Glory to God. In verse 2, it says, For the life was manifested, and we have seen it, and bear witness, and show unto you that eternal life which was with the Father and was manifested unto us. Um, that for the life was manifested, and that, that's what happened in Bethlehem. That life that had always been became manifested when Jesus was born uh, in, in Bethlehem. And, and bear witness. He said, we have seen it. Not only have we seen it, we bear witness. And in, in that word bear witness, actually in the Strong's Concordance said, it means to bear witness of a good, honest report. So they bear witness and show. That word showed unto you means show and tell. He said, we bear witness that it was that, that what we're going to say here and what, that, what you know about Jesus, it's a good and honest report. And uh, we know because we were in show and tell. Hallelujah. You know, in show and tell, if you, you bring something to kindergarten and you show it and you tell all about it. And he said, you know, we didn't just hear somebody say this. We, it was show and tell. We saw what Jesus did. We saw this life. Hallelujah. And uh, which was with the Father and was manifested unto us. Um, that eternal life in there in the middle of the verse. Eternal, show unto you that eternal life. Eternal life is aeonius zoe. And it's, uh, the, it's, uh, it's not... Uh, when we a lot of times, and this is what I thought when I was a new Christian, that eternal life just meant everlasting life. In other words, 
in John 3.16, when I would read that verse, for God so loved the world that... Uh, he gave His only begotten Son that whosoever believeth in Him should not perish but have everlasting life or eternal life. I thought He was just talking about living forever. And I even was taught that. Now, if you'll receive Jesus Christ as your Savior, you'll live forever. But did you know that every man, woman, boy, and girl on planet Earth, plus all the angels and all the devils, already have that kind of life? that living forever kind of life because you're either going to you're never going to cease to exist. You if you don't receive Jesus Christ, you're going to live forever in hell. You're still going to exist. That's why you know, it, you know, sometimes atheists just believe that they're going to die and it's just going to be over like a dog dies. Hallelujah. Don't don't get all the dog lovers stirred up, but dogs are two part beings, soul and body. And there are dogs in heaven. They may be the look like the dog you had here, but they do not. There's no. Okay, I don't want to get into that. But they're not. They're not. They're not two three part beings. But you will never cease to exist. So that's so important. So the atheists are going to be some of them that believe that that you're just going to be dead and cease to exist. They're going to be pretty disappointed. Not only that they missed heaven, but. I wanted to cease to exist because I sure don't want to be in hell. Hallelujah. And um, so, but you won't cease to exist. You're going to be in heaven or you're going to be in hell. And the angels are going to be in heaven when this is all over. And the devils are going to be bound and, and sent to hell forever. Hallelujah. So, um, amen. So this is Aeonius Zoe. This is eternal life. And it means a quality of life or a, uh, it's life as God has it. It's that eternal substance that makes God God. It's Aeonius Zoe, life. Hallelujah. Praise God. And that is the life that you received when you became born again. You didn't just get your sins forgiven, but you got, uh, you became a new creation. Actually, what happened was God killed the old man destroyed that old man was destroyed and the new man now is that vessel that can hold that life that Aeonius Zoe and you have it in you all the night time and it is a zillion times more powerful than kryptonite or whatever it is any powerful uh, you know whatever made superman super kryptonite's what made him weak wasn't it well the other stuff that made him strong there's hallelujah you have this life in you hallelujah Praise God. Now, verse 3. That which we have seen and heard declare we unto you, that ye also may have fellowship with us. And truly, our fellowship is with the Father and with His Son, Jesus Christ. And it, so we go back to seen. We, which we have seen and heard. That which we have seen. That word seen there means to stare, to discern Clearly. So I think one thing this tells us is studying this out is the disciples weren't a bunch of little naive boys that just said, oh yeah, whatever. No, they were, they were serious about this. They were staring. They were, they were, uh, they were discerning and, and they were paying close attention to make sure this was right. This was, this was uh, the right thing. That which we have seen and heard. Heard means to not just hear with your ears, but to understand. 
And so John said, listen, we were, we were staring at this. We were discerning it and we weren't, we were understanding. Hallelujah. Praise God. Um, and then he says, uh, we declare this unto you that ye also may have fellowship. That word fellowship is koinonia and it means partnership or participation. This is not a casual word. This is a that you may connect, that you get connected to this eternal life that we saw. You get connected to it. It's partnership. It's, it's uh, mm, hallelujah. You become a part of this. Not just a cat. Sometimes we, you know, back here tonight, we ate supper before church and we had fellowship. But it was very casual fellowship. I don't think anybody in there probably got down onto an intimate level of fellowship. We just casually fellowshiped about the weather and uh, whatever. But what were you doing this week? What's going on? Hallelujah. But none of us got into that deep thing. But he said, John said, we want to share this with you because we want you to experience the very thing that we ministered, that we, that we experienced. And remember, John was the disciple that he talked about himself and called himself the disciple that Jesus loved. And you know, that's interesting to write that about yourself. And say, and he said it more than once. He's, you know, he said the disciple that Jesus loved, and he was always talking about himself. And he kind of thought that Jesus loved him more than he did the rest of them. I mean, he had that sort of attitude. And we can have that attitude that we're the disciple. Hey, I'm the person that Jesus loves. I'm the one, hallelujah. And, and, and really, it's true. I mean, we could all say that. And I, I, he loves me more. He loves, kind of not saying that because we know that he really doesn't love us more. But actually, just having that kind of be, just being so secure in his love. That's how First John was. He's just so secure in his love. Hallelujah. Praise God. Praise God. And you know, that's, a, that's somebody walking close with Jesus. Because anybody not walking close feels like I'm the disciple that Jesus doesn't love. I'm the one Christian that he's not real proud of. I'm the one Christian that, you know, God, Jesus is not that excited about. But, you know, that really isn't true. Hallelujah. He does get, I, I would grant you, he does get more excited about if you're in faith. Hallelujah. He can, he can do more with some Christians. He can show more to some Christians. He can use some Christians better than others. Hallelujah. Because they're just, you know, easier to use. Hallelujah. Um, so, um, praise God. And he said, I want you to have this same relationship, this same partnership, this same fellowship that is with the Father and also with His Son, Jesus Christ. You know, when you know Jesus, you know the Father. And when you know the Father, you know Jesus. Nobody knows the Father. So, because a lot of Muslims will talk about Allah. And I even heard a man on TV um, who is like, you would know him, oh, well, if I called his name. And he said, well, you know, uh, us and the Jews and the Muslims, we all worship the same God. But, you know, that's really not true. Because if you don't know Jesus, you don't know my God. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. And so the Muslims, they don't know Jesus. 
And of course, the, the Jews are just a little behind. They're still waiting for Messiah to come instead of realizing he's already come. Hallelujah. Praise God. Verse 4, And these things write we unto you that your joy may be full. That uh, word write actually means describe. Now, why, the reason I'm describing this unto you, John says, is I want this your joy to be full. And joy is your delight and your gladness. And full means to be crammed full. I want your joy to be full. I want you to be crammed full of joy. And that's why I'm describing all of this to you. Um, <clears throat> you know, if we don't have joy in our lives, then we don't understand enough. We just don't understand enough. Because if you truly understood what the Bible was saying about you and to you, you would be full of joy. Amen? And, you know, that also means you'd be encouraged. We had a little, you know, I believe God brought some things to our attention Sunday morning when he said we, we just had this little revealing. And, you know, maybe some people would, be, would have answered different if they would have been bolder, but probably a lot wouldn't have. But it's like, are you encouraged? And not many in the church could say, I'm encouraged. Well, I'll tell you, if you're not encouraged right now, if you're not excited right now, you don't know enough. You just don't know enough. And so we got to get in and cram some more in until we know enough that we're excited every day. Until we're encouraged every day, until we have joy every day, and it don't matter how big the problem is, we still have joy, we're still encouraged, we're still excited. Because really, if you're not encouraged and you don't have joy and you're not excited, what you really believe right down here is the devil is winning. You think the devil is winning my life and I don't believe God will get me out of this. Hallelujah. So we need to know more because if we understood enough, we would be encouraged. Um, you know, it also, you know, if we don't have joy and we're not encouraged, we're looking down instead of up. Hallelujah. Praise God. Uh, in the Amplified Bible, in this verse, it says that your joy might be complete. Hallelujah. Let's look at verse 5. This then is the message which we have heard of him. Now he's talking about the message that Jesus brought. And we declare unto you that God is light and in him is no darkness at all. So God, Jesus came with the message and this is the message that this is like the one of the foremost things that, that, the, that Jesus got across to the apostles is that God is light and in him is no darkness at all. Did you know most of the church today does not know? Well, they would say God is light, but they believe there's darkness in God. And so uh, let's look at this a little bit. Let's look at our definitions. And that's what, what verse are we in? Verse 5, light. I actually just copied that definition out of the Strong's. It makes God is light to shine make manifest, especially by rays. There are rays of light coming out of God. God lives in you. There's rays of light coming. If you could see yourself in the spirit realm, I guarantee you, you'd get encouraged. You'd go, woo, boy, I'm something else. Look how I look. 
Man, there's just rays streaming out from me. If you could see what it looks like when you lay hands upon people, because I think it's Habakkuk that it says that God has a secret. He's hidden, he's hidden his power in hands. And that actually and that rays in, in um in Malachi, it talks about those rays of healing, those rays, uh, that rays of, uh, what is it? It says, uh, mm, that verse in Malachi, hallelujah, hallelujah. He's going to arise with healing in his wings, hallelujah. Healing in his wings, wings meaning arms, hands, hallelujah. He's going to arise with healing in his wings. And if you could see it, you'd be going, my God, you're healed. Look what came out of me and went into you. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. So uh, <coughs> it means uh, that light means to shine, make manifest, especially by rays, to be luminous. He is a fire. God is a fire, and we know it says over in Ezekiel, doesn't it, that He is a fire from the loins up and a fire from the loins down. Hallelujah. He's a fire. And I, Joe Morris, I never kind of put it together, but he said to us, he said, y'all are a fire from the loins up and a fire from the loins down. Remember him saying that? Hallelujah. <clears throat> so here in verse uh, 6, um, we need to talk about that, that He is... Uh, no, verse 5 is what we're talking about. That in him is no darkness. The Amplified says no darkness in him at all. No, not in any way. Not even dimness is in him, y'all. Not even just a shadow of anything that's not light. Uh, <clears throat> so you need to, to fully interpret this. You need to think about what is What is darkness? What, what constitute darkness? I tell you, death is darkness. Have you ever walked in some place where somebody was dying? It's darkness. Hallelujah. It's an enemy of God. The death is an enemy. Uh, sickness is darkness. And you know, it, it don't really take much for us to see that. But for sure, if you go somewhere where somebody's tremendously ill, you'll feel the darkness hanging in the air. Hallelujah. And so uh, sickness and darkness and strife, calamity, destruction. You know, all you have to do is go somewhere where there's been a, a, a calamity like a Haiti or somewhere, and you can look out and you go, God, oh, this is darkness. Man, it's just, you know, everything's messed up. Nothing's functioning right. Uh, this is darkness, and the Bible says. Now we got to. Now we got to translate that. In God, in God is no darkness at all. So that tornado that destroyed God didn't sin because there's no darkness in him. That uh, sickness, and you know, you say, well, I, everybody knows that that there's no sickness in God. No, they don't. Because in the paper Saturday, we've talked about this over and over, they talked about the pastor of a 6,000-member church in Flower Mound, Texas. And not just once in that article, but several times. It said, I know God uh, brought this to me. I know God, but there's no darkness in Him. 
And the sad part about this is, is that, y'all, this is so, this is so, this, this, mess, this makes me upset because there's 6,000 people plus everybody's listening on the internet plus this was probably Associated Press is how we even got it in the Tuscaloosa paper. And, and so that means it went all over the United States and I know it did because then it came up on breaking Christian news on the internet how we need to pray for this pastor. And that's good to pray for him, but this man don't have the right foundation. He doesn't even have the foundation to believe right. He believes God gave him a brain tumor for some reason. And I'm like, that's saying there's darkness in my God. And there's no darkness in him. And I, so we can, I don't, care, I don't care what happens to you. I don't care what happens. It wasn't God. Hallelujah. Because there's no darkness in him. He has no darkness to give. He said, pray, my, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. You, you can't, if you, hallelujah. If it's not in heaven, you can't pray for it and get it from God. Hallelujah. But he said, we were to pray that the earth would be just like heaven. And we know, because we've looked at this in different ways, a lot of different times. Uh, <clears throat> so, so here's one thing. We need to look at the fruit of things before we start, you know. And there's a high likelihood this pastor, I'll just tell you, when they're praying like they're praying, it's, not gonna, it's probably not going to happen. He's probably going to be gone. And he's got little kids. So, you know, that makes God make little kids orphans. It makes God make wives widows and parents to take children. There's nothing worse than a God that would take children away from a parent. I don't care if your kids are 60 years old. Hallelujah. So there's no darkness in him. So we need to look at the fruit. And you know, John 10, 10 said, Jesus said, I came that they might have life and have it up more abundantly or till it overflows. So abundant life. And he said, the thief cometh not, but for to steal, to kill, and to destroy. So we can ask ourselves, is this, does this kill anybody? It was the devil. It was the thief. Hallelujah. Did it, did it kill? Did it steal from somebody? Yep, it's the thief. We don't have to guess. Oh, did it destroy something? Did it tear up a house? God didn't send that tornado. Hallelujah. I heard somebody say today, we was talking about the cold weather, and they said, well, I know I'm not in charge. God's in control of this. So, okay. Well, there's been people die because of cold weather. There's people that have their roofs caved in because of snow. So did God send these massive? No, the systems are already in operation. And we, as the body of Christ, are not ruling and reigning like we, because we don't know to, and we're not taking charge of the weather systems. Hallelujah. Now, Pastor and I, we work on that regularly. When we hear snow's coming for the weekend, we get on it. Hallelujah. Because I tell you, it steals and destroys from your Sunday service. It really does. It steals financially from a church. It still, you know, and wouldn't God, that wouldn't that be smart of God to say, well, I'm just going to strip this church of finances for a couple of weeks. And can you imagine in the Northeast how hard it is to get a church service going with all this snow and everything? Okay, some of you are looking at me like a dog with a new pan. But remember, we talked about this at the first of the service. 
that just because you don't know this or hadn't heard it, you know, ponder this thing a little bit. Hallelujah. So we need to look at the fruit, uh, the fruit of everything before we make that decision. Verse 6, if we, if we say that we have fellowship with Him, hallelujah, and walk in darkness, we lie and do not the truth. Um, fellowship there, of course, means communication again, fellowship. And uh, walk, if we... If we walk, let's say, say we, if we say, I have, yeah, I'm, I'm right with God. Now, this isn't talking about being saved. That'll help you. Because not everybody saved has fellowship with God. Hallelujah. Not everybody that's born again, truly born again, has any fellowship. Has, you could, every born again person could, but not every born again person does. Hallelujah. If we say that we have fellowship with Him and walk in darkness, we lie and do not the truth. And so sometimes people will say, yeah, 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 I'm a Christian. Yeah, yeah, I'm, I'm right with God. I've heard people say they were right with God, but it says if we're walking in darkness, we're not telling the truth. In other words, Christians that are out sinning, they're walking in darkness. And if they say they're right with God, hallelujah. They say they're fellowshipping with God, they're lying. Hallelujah. Actually, that word walk means to tread around. If we're treading around darkness all the time, participating in darkness, hallelujah, praise God. You know we're a Christian, but we really like to go to the casino. I'm telling you, you got to be blind spiritually to not feel the darkness when you walk in those one of those places. Because one time in Rio Dosa, New Mexico, somebody took us there to eat at the casino that was by the racetrack. Of course, we didn't know that's where they were taking us, but it just happened. I'm telling you, it was thick. Almost as thick as the cigarette smoke was in the casino. The casino was not in the... Re the restaurant was kind of apart from it. But you, the cigarette smoke was so thick, but the darkness was just as thick there. Hallelujah. And there wasn't very many people there with any light. Hallelujah. If you could have seen in that room that day, it would have been darkness with these two bright lights. Just that been me, and, me and Pastor. Hallelujah. We were just, praise God. And you, hallelujah. And, but so if we're, if we're participating in it, hanging around it, hallelujah, and we do that on a regular basis, and it's not an accident. I know we've had people tell us because we travel to Texas a couple of times a year. And uh, about halfway, Shreveport. And they said, oh, man, you can stay in those hotels cheap. Man, they're hardly anything. Just stay getting one of those casino hotels because they're cheap. And, man, they got a great buffet, and it's cheap. So, But we just paid the, for the high Because, see, I, now I like a nice hotel. You don't put me in on Motel 6. And, man, I tell you what, there's, a, there's a, something in the Bible about Scottish inns. When I see a Scottish inn, I go, whoo, hallelujah. <laughs> Hallelujah, I do. It's like, whoo. I've checked out of a Hilton before because it wasn't to my standard and my liking. Hallelujah. Poor pastor. You don't know how many times he we've looked at hope. We see, we'll get the key and look at it before we'll check into it. See, it's a lot of work for us to go anywhere. Hallelujah. And we have had our sons tell us that every time y'all go on a trip, y'all have this big adventure with the hotel. I mean, they either get a jackhammer out and work on the room above us. We've actually had that happen at the beach, at the, what was that? 
that nice ho- that nice place at the beach. I don't know what it's called. <laughs> Hallelujah. The Beach Club out on Fort Morgan Road. Okay. <clears throat> they got a jackhammer out and start working. You know, that's a nice vacation in the morning when they're doing it. Yeah. Hallelujah. So we got moved to another building, but we're always having to pack up our suitcases and move to another room because something happened. We've had ants crawl on us in the bed at a Best Western in Vicksburg. We've had a man try to get in our room in Foley, Alabama, and Eric was with us that night. That was scary. And actually, I had left our key in the door. He was using our own key, and he was trying to get in the room. And you call the first day front desk, and they say, well, we, we, we can't leave the front desk. Yeah. And they go, we'll call the Foley police. And 45 minutes later, this guy's still trying to get in this room. And yes, yes. And we called the desk three or four times by that time. And well, they're coming. And they finally came. And it was this homeless guy. And it was a cold night in November. And he was just looking for a place to get warm. He saw my key in the door. And he was coming in with us. Hallelujah. Of course, we had the chain and everything. And he couldn't get in. But still, it's nerve-wracking when somebody's out. We have had so many things in hotels. I don't know what that meant. But hallelujah. You might not want to go with us anywhere. Because you'll be on an adventure if you do. <laughs> Hallelujah. Uh, he, Eric, you know, that, it's always something. Sometimes we don't even tell them. Because now we're getting a reputation. Hallelujah. So, uh, <clears throat> verse 7, if we walk in the light, and he, as he is in the light, we have fellowship one with another. And the blood of Jesus Christ, his son, cleanses us from all sin. Uh, you know, uh, if we're really walking in light, we're going to have fellowship with the saints. If we're reclusive, you know what? We're walking in darkness. There's something not not renewed in this. If you're reclusive, if you're rejected, if you're avoiding people, if you're fearful of people, if you're timid, intimidated, it's all walking in darkness. You know, you may have thought walking in darkness was just walking in adultery or fornication or being a thief. Or No, if you have these things operating in you, because if you're walking in the light, you have fellowship with the brethren. You will enjoy fellowship with the brethren if you're walking in the light. And you know, what, what can we do about it if we don't have light? Because you know, I'll tell you, there's been, time, there's been a time in life when I had a lot of fear. Not so much of people, but I had a lot of fear. That was darkness, and I was operating in darkness. But the thing, heavens, the good part was is I knew it, and I was fighting with everything I had to get rid of it. And the Bible says there's one way to get rid of it. The entrance of His Word bringeth light. Hallelujah. And we've got to get more of the light and more of a renewed mind. And get, but First John says, be more perfected in His love. And that means having light to really know how loved you are by God because when you really know how loved you are by God, you won't have any fear. Not one drop of fear. And you aren't there yet. You hadn't arrived. You need to work on you. Don't wait for God to work on you. He made a finished work at Calvary and He's already done all He's going to do. Now He'll help you, but you've got to renew your mind. You've got to... Hallelujah. But you're not there yet if you're still operating in fear at any level. And we all are probably to some level. And I was very intimidated uh, only in one area. I couldn't preach in front of other preachers. 
And that's darkness. And pastor tricked me when we were traveling, and he got me teaching in a seminar. And you know, the pastors came to the seminar. And he, we actually would do, I'd teach a page and he'd teach a page, because that's how we did, because I, I was intimidated by other preachers. And I had to get over that, and I hadn't been put to the test on whether I'm fully over it. But I, I you know, I had a word of knowledge one time at Word of Life Christian Center in Birmingham. But if Jesus had stood up there and said, come give it, Debbie, I probably wouldn't have. And he didn't stand up there, so. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Praise God. And you know, Pastor Webb knew it was out there. He was asking people, do you got it? Do you got it? Do you got it? He asked Pat Michael, do you got it? And I was sitting right beside him. Oh, I wasn't going to say, I got it. No, I wouldn't have done it. Hallelujah. Because <clears throat> I was intimidated. But that's darkness. That is darkness. When we can't use the gift God's given us, when we can't flow, you know, pastor says, do you have something? And you do, and you can't say it. That's darkness. The Bible says, you know, you're not your fellowship with the saints. That's part of your fellowship with the saints because the Bible says if you've freely been given something, you've got to give it. The Bible says you gotta, if you've got a gift, you've got to take it and use it to help other people. And so we got to eliminate this darkness in our life. <clears throat> you know, if we enjoy coming to church but we can't come to a fellowship, that's darkness. If we're avoiding things. And you know, uh, I, let me say this. For you to have fellowship with us saints doesn't mean we have to be perfect. You know what I'm saying? Sometimes people just like, well, I don't want to fellowship with them because, well, they got this place, this, this place that they're not perfect in. But you know, if you don't fellowship with imperfect saints, you're not going to have any fellowship. And I, you know, me say, well, Debbie, why are you saying that? Because I figure there's some people like that because guess what? Used to be that way. Just, and I, I knew I wasn't perfect, but if, you know, I was afraid. Now, this sounds so stupid now, but I was afraid in Seminole that if I was too fellowship with you in my church, too fellowshipy, you would take it as approval if I didn't think, if you weren't living just exactly like I thought you ought to live. <laughs> and it's like, I'm not putting my approval on that. By fellow <laughs> Hallelujah. But then I found out, ooh, that's really a lonely place to walk. It's kind of dark. Hallelujah. And, you know, especially when you're not perfect yourself. And you know that. But, you know, sometimes these things aren't logical. These things just aren't logical. The works of the devil are not logical. Hallelujah. Verse 8, if we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves. <clears throat> and the truth is not in us. Hallelujah. Now, this is where it kind of gets where I was getting confused. And when we get down in these verses... Hallelujah. Let me see if we have any definitions on that, do we? Verse 8. Hallelujah. Deceive means gone astray. We've been seduced. If we say we have no sin, then we've been seduced. This can kind of be applied two ways. First way it can be applied, did you know that there are sinners who have never been born again in this town that actually believe they don't do anything wrong? They don't sin. That's not sin because what is sin? 
Sin is relative. What's sin? There, there's no sin. There's no wrong or wrong thing to do. You know, as long as it, usually they'll qualify it this way. As long as you don't hurt somebody else, do anything you want to. The only problem is, is that sin always hurts somebody else. If you sin, you're going to hurt your children. Hallelujah. If you, if you live in sin. So if people say they don't have sin, there's a, there's a bumper sticker, not a, a license plate or a bumper sticker. I don't know which it is. Around town here someplace. And it says, uh, born right the first time. Born right. That, you know what that's saying? Uh, that says, uh, I don't need to be born again. Don't talk to me about this because I'm okay. I don't need to be born again. I was born right the first time. How elitist, how prideful, how, you know, that is so. And I think when I see it, you little fool. Hallelujah. Because none of us were born right the first time. Hallelujah. But people like that are saying, I don't have any sin. I don't need any help from God. I don't sin. And they said, so, so we see it from that direction, but let's look at it from the direction of us that are born again already. If we were to say, well, you know, I don't ever mess up. I don't sin. I'm always right. Did you ever have a husband that always thought he is right? The wife was never right. The husband was always right. Or it could be the other way around. But sometimes husbands, Terry, don't step on y'all's toes now, they don't want to admit they're wrong. But the Bible says if you act like that, even if you don't say, I have no sin, but you act like in that in the home, you're a liar. And the truth's not in you. It takes two to tango, folks. Hallelujah. Praise God. If you say, if you and your wife just had a big fight, man, not fist, hopefully, but just, you man, you were yelling, you was hollering, but one of you takes the position of, uh, well, you caused that fight. It was all your fault. Hallelujah. Then you're not got the truth in you. Hallelujah. Because it takes two to tango. Hallelujah. And so we can carry it over into things like that, but we can also carry it over. You know, I've heard somebody say before, I, I'm always right. I actually heard a man say this, I'm always right. And one time I thought I was wrong, but then I found out I was right and I was wrong that, that I thought I was wrong. And whew, that's confusing, but he actually said that. And you know, the sad part about it was... Uh, yeah, he kind of acted like that was how he believed too. So, uh, you know, uh, but that, per that person's deceiving themselves, okay? But listen, now this is where we get to the contradiction. Because over in chapter 3, and we'll, we might see this some later, it says, uh, verse 9, chapter 3, verse 9, it says, Whosoever is born of God doth not commit sin. Did y'all see that? And so, man, I tell you, when I was first starting out this, I'm like, which way is it? Doth not commit sin. But what we have to discern is, hey, in 1 John 1, he's talking about our soul. And because we know it because of the next verse. In verse 8, he's talking about our soul. You are not, you do not have a perfect mind, will, and emotions. And if you say your mind, your will, and you don't ever sin in that realm emotionally, then you're a liar. Hallelujah. But if you say, I never sin in my spirit because I've been born of God. And the Bible says in that, in third John there, it says, and his seed remaineth in me. Then you do not commit sin. 
Because let me ask you, where does his seed remaineth in us at? Remain in us at? In our spirit. So where the seed remains in us, we don't sin. So you can say, he that's born of God, that's where you're born of God, is in your spirit. He that's born of God doesn't sin. I don't sin in my spirit. And you do not have a weak spirit. People, I heard a man on TV the other day say, a really good man that I really love to listen to, uh, but he said this. He said, if you've got bitterness in your spirit, or if you've got unforgiveness in your spirit, well, you don't, so don't worry about it. But you do in your soul, probably. You could have in your soul if you hadn't dealt with it. So in your spirit, you don't commit sin. That's what he's talking about in 1 John. Otherwise, we have a conflict here. But he says, now, in your soul, if you say you don't sin, you're a liar. Hallelujah. Nobody's got their mind renewed to that degree. Now, we can, we can get on top of a lot of it when we're not sinning all the time. But if you say you don't, because even just to not walk in love is sin in God's eyes. And that word sin there, hallelujah. Verse... Uh, Eight says to deceive, gone astray, been seduced. Okay, that was the word deceive. Verse 9, let's look at that. If we confess our sins, He is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Well, this is, a, this is talking about soul sin. Because once you're born again, you don't have any sin in your spirit. Your spirit's perfect. Because if it wasn't, you couldn't go to heaven. Because no sin is going into heaven. But your spirit is perfect. It's been born again, recreated from above. It has that eternal life in it, that Ionius Zoe. And, and, and so your spirit's perfect. And you don't, need, you, don't have, you don't have to confess if it was just up to your spirit. But your soul can get cluttered with sin. And so you, the way to get sin out of your soul, the way to get sin out of your spirit is be born again. They'll never come back in there because you're sealed. But the way to get sin out of your soul is to confess it. And if your soul is weighted down with sin, you're eventually going to be walking in a lot of darkness. If you don't continually practice 1 John 1, 9, where you confess your sin, you're just going to get weighted down more and more with sin until you're walking in a lot of darkness. And so uh, we must confess our sin. And uh, <clears throat> confess means acknowledge. Uh, and He is faithful. He is trustworthy. He is just. That means holy in character. To forgive our sin. To omit it. Hallelujah. To cleanse means to purge and purify. He cleanses us from all unrighteousness. Unrighteousness is moral wrongness, injustice, impurity, iniquity, and wrong. Hallelujah. So we have to confess our sin to get it out of our soul. Because if we don't, then if you go over to 1 John 3... Verse 21. Now in this, hallelujah. It says, Beloved, if our heart condemn us not, then have we confidence toward God. Listen, if you haven't gotten confession down to get your soul cleansed from sin, then guess what? You go to pray, you go to do anything for God, your heart, and that's talking about the part of your heart, not your spirit, but the part of your heart that's connected to your soul. In other words, the emotional part of your heart, the emotions, mind, will, and emotions. Your mind and emotions are going to condemn you. And you're not going to have confidence in your prayer. You're not going to have confidence uh, in, in, toward God. So we got to have stay clean 
by 1 John 1, 9, and by staying away from sin, not walking in darkness, not walking in darkness, we got to stay clean in order to have confidence towards God. Because I need my prayers to work. And if I'm walking around condemned because of what I watched, hallelujah, praise God. Then let's look at the last verse of chapter 1. If we say that we have not sinned, we make him a liar and his word is not in us. Now, you know, one of the things this means is uh, when the Holy Spirit convicts you of sin and you say, I, I didn't do anything wrong. I didn't sin. And you say, nobody does that. Yes, they do. You remember, I'll just give you a movie example. Remember, did any of you see the movie? You don't have to admit it if you don't want to, but I like the movie. Walk the Line. Reese Witherspoon. Joaquin Phoenix and uh, Johnny Cash. And I like it because it's, a, it's really a story of redemption. And, and, and it's, a story, it's a story of somebody coming back from a horrible life and getting to a good life through a bunch of <laughs> bad stuff. But anyway, and uh, of course I like the music because that's the music I grew up with. And, uh, <clears throat> but remember in the movie that... Walk, that Johnny Cash and June commit adultery before they're married. And June is convicted. June's a Christian. She's Christian. I don't know if Johnny was at that time or not, but June for sure was, and she's convicted. And he goes to her and he says, June, this is not wrong. This is not wrong, June. This wasn't wrong, June. June, this wasn't wrong. He's a liar. Hallelujah. But, and you know, some people like, well... I know this isn't wrong because, man, we're soulmates. I know this isn't wrong because, man, you know, this just feels too good to be wrong. Hallelujah. Well, you're a liar. You, may, you know, really what it says there is when the Holy Spirit convicts you of sin and you don't admit it, you, maybe you ignore it, or you say, oh, that wasn't wrong. What you're saying is, God, you're a liar. God, you're a liar. Hallelujah, we got to own up to it. Hallelujah. we got to own up to our sin. Hallelujah. I'm going to read you this, this chapter from another Bible, and then we're going to close. This is from the J.B. Phillips translation. Don't need new now. We are writing to you about something which has always existed, yet which we ourselves actually saw and heard. Something which we had opportunity to observe closely, and even to hold in our hands, and yet, as we know now, was something of the very word of life himself. For it was life which appeared before us. We saw it. We were eyewitnesses of it and are now writing to you about it. It was the very life of all ages, the life that has always existed with God the Father, which actually became visible in person to us mortal men. We repeat, we really saw and heard what we are now writing to you about. We want you to be with us in this, in this fellowship with God the Father and Jesus Christ His Son. We must write and tell you about it because the more that fellowship extends, the greater the joy it brings to us who are already in it. Here then is the message we heard him give. God is light and not the faintest shadow of darkness can exist in him. Consequently, if we were to say that we enjoyed fellowship with him and still went on living in darkness, we should, we should be both telling and living a lie. But if we really are living in the same light in which he eternally exists, then we have true fellowship with each other and the blood which he shed for us keeps us clean from any and every sin. If we refuse to admit that we are sinners, then we live in a world 
world of illusion and truth becomes a stranger to us. But if we freely admit that we have sinned, we find God utterly reliable and straightforward. He forgives our sins and makes us thoroughly clean from all that is evil. For if we take up the attitude we have not sinned, we flatly deny God's diagnosis of our condition and, our, and cut ourselves off from what He has to say to us. Hallelujah.